Some environmental activist groups are accusing energy companies and pro-free market organizations of hiding information about the effects of climate change. But those folks pointing fingers aren't exactly being transparent. Stephen Everly will help us get through it on this crummy little podcast. There's a long-running battle between energy-slash-oil companies and environmental groups advocating for reductions in fossil fuel usage. And recently, that's taken on a little bit of a different tone, with the environmental groups accusing pro-energy groups of public fraud and even trying to coax state governments and other governmental institutions to conduct investigations. That's a lot to talk about. Stephen Everly is here to help me figure it out. He's a senior advisor with Energy in Depth, a research program sponsored by the Independent Petroleum Association of America. Steve, thanks for joining this crummy little podcast. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm glad you're here so you can help me figure out what's going on with this Exxon New campaign. Uh, well, if we if we take a step back, I mean, I, I think we're uh, you know we're, we're seeing some of the news now about these investigations of uh, climate dissent and some of these questions about First Amendment issues and what state attorneys generals are doing to um, you know to, to Exxon Mobil or potentially to other energy companies. Uh, we need to take a step back a little bit. We need to go back a few months. Um, there's a, an activist group called Inside Climate News that published a series of reports. Uh, back in the fall of 2015, suggesting that ExxonMobil scientists knew about climate change 40 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, had published all of this internal correspondence about the risks, uh, but then did nothing to warn the public and actually covered it up. Uh, and according to Inside Climate News, actually funded climate denial. Now, the, the narrative itself, uh, I think it's just worth emphasizing, is absurd for a number of reasons. Uh, the, the, the first first and foremost is Inside Climate News, when it published these reports and, and looked at these documents, uh, cherry-picked information from the documents themselves and didn't publish the information that would contradict their narrative. I know it sounds surprising that an environmental group would try to mislead the public, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, if you go to our website, energyindepth.org, or to our YouTube page, you can find a video where we put the documents that they cite up on the screen, we highlight the lines that they pulled that they said, you know, this is what Exxon was saying, and then we show oftentimes the very next line or the next paragraph that says the complete opposite of what Inside Climate News says that document says. Uh, and, and, you know, you can, you can look for yourselves. Um, Exxon has actually published all of the documents uh, on its website, and you can read through them in their entirety, and you'll see that the narrative is not accurate. But the reason that's important is because now that we're talking about state attorneys general uh, launching investigations, issuing subpoenas of the, you know, of, of uh, free market groups like the Competitive Enterprise Institute, they can't do that unless they have some sort of report, some sort of uh, media angle, some sort of thing that they can cite and say, this is our justification for going in and doing that. Uh, and as it turns out, they've used the Inside Climate News reports for that reason. Uh, but some of the questions that have come up since then is that it wasn't exactly uh, an objective uh, review that led them to those investigations. And in fact, there's plenty of evidence now um, that there were closed door meetings with environmental groups and other activists that were pushing the attorneys general to launch these investigations based, based on the evidence, uh, they were based on politics. Over the years, we've seen a lot of good arguments from climate scientists on both sides, backed up by research and facts about what's going on in the Earth's atmosphere. This doesn't seem like that. This seems like less of a scientific debate 
and more about an attempt to silence dissent. It seems like it's going from the scientific realm to the political realm. A, a lot of people have raised that exact question. There are a number of uh, you know, very large newspapers and news publications that have written editorials uh, hitting on that same point. And if, they're not, if they don't say it outwardly, they're certainly suggesting that this is based on politics uh, and raises all sorts of concerns about government overreach and free speech. You know, I, I would tell you, too, that uh, the, the term climate denier is an interesting basis to launch an investigation of someone. First of all, you know, if, if, if you deny that climate change is man-made, that's not a crime. It's just, you know, that, that's your belief. And whether you think that's spot on or you think that's absurd, uh, there's no crime for having that belief or having that thought or even advocating something based on that belief. Uh, but what's interesting about climate deniers, and, and, and we found this the other day, uh, there was a report from a British group uh, that goes through and ranks, you know, it does this mapping of what it, what it says, of energy companies and other uh, interest groups, and, and it looks at their advocacy and says, you know, what, what is their relationship to this climate denial world, and, and how, do they, how do they push forward a climate denial narrative? Well, we actually looked at their methodology, and the way that they arrived at this at these companies spending so you know so, several million dollars on what they called climate denial is they looked at their ads, they looked at their their TV advertisements. One of the ads that they ranked relatively high in terms of climate denial was an advertisement pushing for solar power in poor countries to help women. I'm not exaggerating that one single bit. There is an oil and gas company, Shell Oil. Uh, was encouraging the use of solar power in poor countries to help women get ahead because they're often way way away from the grid um, and they don't have any other opportunities. This group called that climate denial. Now, if you can argue that solar power is 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 denying climate science somehow, and then you can use that to launch an investigation of someone, there there are no limits to what you could launch an investigation into. You know, a few weeks back. John Hankey was a guest here on the podcast, and he spoke about the role foundations have in many policy issues. And after he was on, he published a piece on Red State uh, on this very topic. Can you walk me through the money and organization behind these efforts? Because that's pretty fascinating. This isn't an organic effort coming from out of the blue. The um, Two of the big ones are called the Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the Rockefeller Family Fund. Uh, Those organizations uh, fund Inside Climate News. Uh, they also happen to fund 350.org, which is Bill, McC- Bill McKibben's pretty radical activist group. Um, and 350.org, of course, is the organization running the official ExxonNew.org campaign website encouraging investigations of climate deniers. Uh, and the, the, the Rockefellers themselves are the common funding element behind every single thing that's going on with regard to this. In terms of the investigations and the the political element that you touched on, uh, back in January, there was a closed-door meeting at the Rockefeller Family Fund office where environmental groups uh, came together and hatched a plan to what they did, what they said would delegitimize uh, Exxon as a quote political actor. So you have you have groups admitting that their goal is to influence politics that they they want to go after this company as a political actor 
and yet they want to suggest that these investigations and this whole thing has nothing to do with politics. They admitted it. It's, it's right out there now in the open. They didn't want that to be out in the open. They did not want the people to know that they had that meeting, but they did. Uh, and uh, even since then, we've found out that the attorneys general themselves and some of these same environmental groups and environmental activists met um, in March to, have, to sort of hatch their plan about how they were going to start launching these investigations. Inside Climate News was up for a Pulitzer for their work there, weren't they? Yes, they were uh, one of three finalists, um, or maybe there were two finalists, and then there was the um, the group that actually um, the, the, the company that actually won. Um, they were named one of the finalists um, for this series, and you know it was it, if you if you go in and look at the the documentation that they submitted to be considered for the Pulitzer. It doesn't, I mean, I think you just have to pay a nominal fee and submit all of your, your paperwork or all of your reports and then also a cover letter explaining why your report should be considered. If you go in and look at the cover letter that Inside Climate News submitted for this series, um, there's some really interesting, to put it nicely, <laughs> things in that letter. Uh, the one that stood out the most was that they compared their reporting on this issue and their, the reports that they did, remember the cherry picking information out of public documents and suggesting that you know, Exxon scientists said something that they didn't. They compared that to having the same significance and same impact of ending a war or shortening a disease. Now just, just think about that. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, a very controversial series uh, that's about you know what what Exxon supposedly knew, uh, and we found out since then that it was it, the, the narrative is completely bogus, and they genuinely believe that that is on par with ending a war. I mean, it 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 boggles the mind how you can how you can compare those two, but when you look at the broader climate activist movement, this is what they they see that this is the most important pressing issue that we have ever faced as a civilization. And thus, anything that they say on it is part of solving that problem, even though we know that obviously what they were doing is not actually going to solve anything. It's just you know, misrepresenting what, what documents said. Um, another, another interesting component of this, too, is that uh, the judges that were on that committee that ultimately that determined who the finalists were and then ultimately determined who won, um, two of them work for organizations that are funded by the same foundations that fund Inside Climate News. I mean, it's a wonder that they didn't win the award. It's, an, it's a wonder that they did not win the Pulitzer rather than just becoming a finalist. All right, shifting gears a little bit, the U.S. Virgin Islands Attorney General is investigating the Competitive Enterprise Institute for their pro-energy advocacy work from the late 90s into the mid-2000s. They've actually subpoenaed documents from the time. Uh, how does that investigation fit into what we're talking about here? Well, I think we're still get, you're still still uncovering and then still sort of unraveling that ball of yarn. Uh, one thing that is interesting about that uh, about that subpoena. Um, and the Virgin Islands specifically. Uh, the Virgin Islands, the attorney general there, uh, hired a uh, law firm called Cohen Milstein that uh, is, also the, is also the firm of record uh, in, in their subpoena to ExxonMobil. 
Um, why that's significant is that Cohen Milstein is party to another lawsuit, plaintiff's suit against Exxon, in a separate case that could be worth millions of dollars. And so you have a law firm that is already involved in an active lawsuit against a company, and a government entity hires that same law firm to objectively investigate that same company to find wrongdoing or to see if there was any wrongdoing. That does not sound like what I would call a best practice. Uh, uh, no, and there's actually uh, the, the Federalist <laughs> Society, which is no slouch when it comes to understanding the Constitution and understanding uh, the the law itself, uh, has a, lo a very long piece that came out, I believe, earlier this week uh, that calls attention to that exact problem. And in fact, there's other there are other other problems with that law firm that raise serious conflict of interest issues. But this is just it, it, this is just one part of this broader narrative and the, the, the broader problems that underpin this entire thing. Um, and it, it 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 basically has to be about politics because if this were about a legitimate legal case, it would have fallen apart from the on the very first day. But since well, it's about politics think... and these other campaigns are, these other groups are involved in, in in amplifying it and creating a campaign and ignoring all of the conflicts of interest and all of the the problems with the reporting itself, um, it's about the tweet. It's about what's on Facebook. It's about pushing the message and ignoring all the criticism. Uh, you can't do that in a court of law. Um, but in this case, you know that that it, it it's going to be something that is going to get a lot more attention, I'm sure, going forward because that's not a he said she said kind of thing. The law is the law. The venues of this seems a little weird to me. Do you think this is some kind of trial balloon? Uh, maybe a better way to ask this is, if this was New York State or Washington, D.C., it'd be all over the news, right? But in the U.S. Virgin Islands, this can be a little bit of a sandbox. Do you foresee the, the case in the U.S. Virgin Islands being used as a training ground for future prosecutions in, say, New York or California or some other state where those investigations might gain some more attention? It, it, I mean, it, it's possible. Um, and probably have to, I, I have seen some people raise some questions, basically saying, "Why the Virgin Islands? What what is it about them?" Um, Exxon has has said we have no operations there. It's a it's a very bizarre forum, um, or a, a bizarre location to to launch something like that. Um, you know, you mentioned New York, and the reason the first investigation uh, started in New York uh, with Eric Schneiderman. Uh, is New York has this law called the Martin Act, uh, which gives the Attorney General, I mean, no other state has anything like this, uh, gives them just this sweeping power to launch investigations on the, the if, if there's a bar for probable cause, this one set, sets it the lowest by, by leaps and bounds. Um, you, you, you don't even need much to really launch an investigation under the Martin Act. And now, why that's also significant, if you go back a few years and look at what environmental groups have been saying about trying to either go after Exxon specifically or just going after fossil fuel companies, um, they've been talking about trying to how, – how can we get the government to investigate these guys? Because if we can launch an investigation, then we can get access to their internal documents. We can get discovery. These documents will become public, and just like what Inside Climate News is able to do, we can cherry-pick more information and make their lives really difficult. Um, they have they they said they have said over the years that the states are going to be a very good venue for this uh because they can find sympathetic 
uh, they're more likely to find a sympathetic state attorney general than to find a sympathetic voice inside the Department of Justice where there's much more bureaucracy and, frankly, much more scrutiny that goes into any sort of investigation. Um, and, and they've looked at New York specifically because of the Martin Act. I mean, the, the idea that this just organically happened in New York is it, – it, it defies common sense. We'll just put it that way. That, that was the target. They knew they could go after it. Um, and you know, if, if we had unlimited time, we could talk about a conference that all of these same people were at back in 2012 where they made all of these exact things. They basically laid out the campaign and their strategy for this four years ago in, in Southern California, published a report about it. Uh, and when you read through it, it's almost kind of eerie. It's like, was this written – in 2012, or was this written in March 2016? Because what they laid out is exactly what has happened with this with this particular campaign. Steve, my last question for you: What's your advice to the interested citizen trying to follow this issue? Because it can get a little confusing figuring out whom to trust. Um, you know, the healthy thing to do is read it with a scrutinizing eye. You know, not not every claim that's made about energy development is wrong. There have been, I mean, there there are things there are things that go wrong. Whether it's you know, a a solar company going bankrupt or a an, an oil spill somewhere. I mean, there there are things there are externalities that happen, and 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 we need to, we obviously realize that. But when you start seeing these these huge campaigns underway that are attacking a company for being a company, uh, when you see these kinds of claims that clearly rest on a a, a dubious basis. I think you, you need to start reading between the lines and you need to start thinking about who are the people who are actually involved in this and how are they all connected and what is, what is their background. That's, that's what basic journalism is, frankly. Uh, and and I, I hate to say it, but in, in too many cases, those questions are not being asked. The, the claim is being made. That's the headline. Get the story out and move on to the next thing. And I, 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 think, it, I think it would help – I think it helps everyone, including the public, to be to be well informed. If we all scrutinize this a little bit more, whenever these kinds of things come out, uh, that we ask questions, um, and you know maybe maybe the answers are convenient for us, maybe they're not, uh, but it doesn't hurt anything to to scrutinize. And in this case, what we find is actually some some pretty frightening details about what would happen what well, what happened behind the scenes. That had that all been public, none of this probably would have come to pass. That's a really good balanced answer, especially because it would have been very easy for you to use that as a chance to plug energy in depth uh, and tell people they could go to energyindepth.org, which they could. Stephen Everly serves as a senior advisor to Energy in Depth, which is a research project sponsored by the Independent Petroleum Association of America. They're very transparent about that. You can see that on their website. Steve, thanks for joining this crummy little podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to this Crummy Little Podcast. If you want to hear more, check out www.crummylittlepodcast.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks again.